really is great to have uh, Jasper Rutherford with us. I'm going to ask him a few questions so you get to know him a little. I'll be asking him about interview in progress. I'll be, yeah, thanks, Gareth. Uh, I'll be asking him a few more questions later on tonight. But Jasper, have you ever been to Windsor before? No, I have never been to Windsor before, so it's great to be here. Now, Jasper, I want you to be honest because if you weren't here today, I want you to tell me where you would really be. Well, actually, I would actually be in Wembley today watching Liverpool play Man City. I gave up tickets to Wembley. Mind you, after I had agreed to come here, I will put that caveat in. So I did get offered tickets to Wembley, so I would be there today. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't go to my back door to watch Liverpool, but that's, that's another thing. Where are you currently serving, Jasper, and what will you be doing this time tomorrow? Okay, yeah, I, I currently um, help run Summer Madness and uh, not just the festival, other things that Summer Madness is involved in. I'm a church army evangelist, which is a, the outreach arm of the Anglican Church. Uh, this time tomorrow, at quarter past 11, this time tomorrow, I will actually be with a new uh, younger leader who we have just employed with Summer Madness, Baptist Connections, Stu Bothwell. Um, I'll be sitting with him, having coffee and praying for him. So Brilliant. it's a privilege to do that. Where's home? Who's yeah. at home? Yeah. Where's your home church? Yeah, home is East Belfast. Um, I'm married to Lynn. We have three kids. Um, Elijah's nine. Um, he's my oldest boy. Then I've got daughter Shannon, six. I'm my youngest boy. Nathan's four and a half. And um, I'm part of Willowfield Parish Church in East Belfast. I was youth worker there for seven years before going to England and other things. Brilliant. Jasper, thank you so much for agreeing no, to, be to be here. For sacrificing to be here. <laughs> uh, and I do really... Pray God's blessing on you as you share with us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, uh, David. Thank you so much for, the, for the, the invitation to come here. I have heard lots about Windsor Baptist. I do know some people here, and I do know there's a great group of young people come to Summer Madness every year, so thank you for supporting us with that. And it's just a privilege to be here. As I was worshiping with you this morning, I actually, my chest puffed out, sort of like, I am part of these people. You know, you can go into a place that I've never been to before as a stranger, but actually our spirits recognize each other. It's the wonderful truth of Jesus in us that actually we're in this together, and it's just beautiful. So I go around lots of churches and lots of places, and it's always a privilege just to be with brothers and sisters who I don't know, but I get to be a part of. It's wonderful. And I, and I, I am away from my family lots, but actually it feels like I'm with family, and that's just a treasure. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to being here tonight as well. Um, so this morning, uh, I'm going to speak about breakthrough. And um, uh, we have lots of youth groups and different things called breakthrough and breakout and different things. But actually, um, I, I wonder how much expectancy we have for God to do incredible things. How much expectancy do you have that our God can do incredible things, that he can break through situations that are difficult, tough, and things you've been praying for for years? How expectant are you for God to actually do them? We question for you, are you disappointed with God? Has he not lived up to your expectations? Is there things that you're crying out for that he hasn't done yet? Or... If you're being honest, do you not have much expectancy for God to do much? Well, Jasper, do you know, I read the Bible, and God did lots of stuff years ago, but if I'm being honest, I don't really expect him to do that kind of stuff now. What's your expectancy levels? 
What's your hopes that God can do for you today? Are you expecting something from me? Hope not. Um, But what are your expectancy levels of God? For Christians, many of us don't have much expectancy or trust that God can move powerfully in our life and in other people's lives, especially even people really close to us, family and friends. We find it most awkward, most difficult sometimes to share our Savior with the people we love most who don't know him. We think breakthrough is a rare thing. Breakthrough in the ordinary or the supernatural should not be seen as something that is extraordinary, rather normal and expected. Um, I know you guys um, had a time of prayer for 40 days and you were praying about your church, this place, about your future, and actually you had breakthrough in terms of the building, in terms of how that all happened, in terms of how it came about, in terms of how you got the deal through the door. Actually, that was breakthrough. And many of you encountered God's breakthrough for something as you started off to pray that you didn't think would happen so quickly. And you experienced and encountered God breaking into something that you had been praying for. Breakthrough. God is in the business of answering our prayers. I want to tell you a little story of some stuff that God has broken through in my life just recently, which is, well, I think is very powerful because it's something I've been praying for for years and I didn't expect God to do much with, if I'm being honest. So my dad died three weeks ago and my, my mom kicked my dad out of the house when I was quite young, probably five or six. And um, so I didn't have a close relationship with my dad growing up. I didn't become a Christian until I was 23. I rejected God lots. Became a Christian in Newton Breda Baptist Church. The Baptist links. I'm doing a Baptist weekend. I was speaking in, in, in Hamilton Road Baptist on Friday night. So it's a Baptist weekend. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Um, uh, but I, I didn't have a close relationship with my dad growing up. And um, my mum made it very difficult as well for that relationship. But I've been praying for my dad for years. Praying for him for years. He got diagnosed with cancer just six months ago. He smoked 40 cigarettes a day. It's no wonder he got lung cancer. Um, and um, he went downhill very quick after Christmas. He got an infection and went downhill very quick. And in the hospital, I, I grabbed his hand and I said, you know, Dad, I love you. And, uh, and he says, I know, son, I know you love me and I love you. And, and um, I said, look, I forgive you for all the things that happened growing up. I just wanted him to know that I didn't hold anything against him. And he goes, like, in his typical way, he goes, sure, what do you need to forgive me for? And I was like, well, uh, quite a few things. <laughs> You weren't actually there, didn't say any of that. I goes, well, you know, I didn't have the kind of relationship I wanted with you, Dad, growing up. It's not, it's not the close relationship that I long for with a father. And he says, I know, son, I know. And then I tried to talk about Jesus. Now, I prayed with my dad every time I was with him, and he really appreciated it. He had heard me preach at my sister's wedding for the first time. He came to Summer Madness the last few years because God was doing something. His partner became, became a Christian through Alpha. There was stuff happening. But, I, but I, I approached the Jesus subject again. You know, it's hard to do it with the ones we love. And, 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 he, and he sort of just shrugged it off. He was like, no, I, w- I was growing up to believe. We only get one shot in life and this is our lot. You know, I'm paid to be an evangelist. I'm paid to talk. I've seen hundreds of people come to faith. I love it. That's what's making me tick. But it was like, oh, it wasn't like in the movies, you know, the way they had planned it to be. And that's the way it is sometimes with family. But I just had this little thought, you know, don't, don't try and talk to his heart, talk to his head, because the heart stuff wasn't connecting. And then he got out of hospital on that Wednesday, and we got him home. 
and, and he only had a few days. And um, I was with him on the Saturday, and, and, I, um, and he had start, started to uh, be frightened, obviously, about how he was going to die, but also frightened about what would happen after. And, and, he, and, he, and he said, that, he says, I don't know what to do with Jesus. I'm frightened to do what to do with Jesus. And, and uh, that opened up lots of conversations and sharing the Bible, my brother with him, and then I had about an hour with him. And it was just amazing. It was just set up. He just started to ask these questions. And I just reminded, oh, I talked to his head, not his heart. And I just said, you know, Dad, all you have to do is, is give your yes to Jesus. You're just saying yes that you know he died for you. Yes, that he forgives your sins. Uh, yes, um, that he loves you. I talked through, you know, John 16, he is the way, the truth, and life. Just simple things. And, and he knew it. He, did, he had this folklore faith that many people have, you know. Oh, somebody up there, you know, looking down on this type thing, but never accepted Jesus. And he was like, well, I want that. And I goes, well, let's do it. And so he just bowed his head and goes, yes, Jesus, I know you're real. Yes, Jesus, I give you what I have, all I've got left. Yes, Lord, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. It was incredible breakthrough. Things I've been praying for years, and I wonder how many times um, for our family and friends, breakthrough is close, but actually we give up rather than stand firm. And not only did breakthrough happen in my father's life, but it's happened in lots of my family and friends who aren't Christians through my dad in his last days. Um, this is uh, a really uh, amazing thing that happened. We've been singing some songs there uh, that, that about God breaking out. Um, so I had this, this little thought, this little inspiration, and I didn't know what it was, and I couldn't get rid of it, but I thought it was from God, but I didn't know. Uh, but this is, this is quite weird. My sister thought it was weird. But I had this feeling that my dad was going to die the next day at 12 o'clock, okay? Now, that seemed too rounded, because if it was quarter past 12 or something, 12 o'clock just seemed too perfect a time or something. And I said to my sister, who's a Christian as well, I said, I've got this weird feeling that dad's going to die tomorrow at 12 o'clock. She's going like, that is weird. And I goes, I know it is. I just can't get rid of it. But, you know, I, I just have learned over the years um, to just keep praying. If I, if I get a, a thought or a, a, an intuition about God and about people, uh, you know, I just pray. And I say, okay, God, what is this? What are you saying? So I told my sister, 12 o'clock the next day came. My dad didn't die. I was like, Whew. Thankfully, I didn't tell anybody else that. Um, you know, it was like, that was obviously just me randomly thinking of something, and that was fine. And, and then that day, he went downhill. We, we managed to get to bed at 9 p.m. and have a couple of hours sleep because we'd been up the nights before with him. And my sister-in-law woke us up at 11 p.m. And when she woke us up, um, it was, uh, I had this immediate thought, um, it's time, and I have oil in my car. Not ga gastral GTI oil that you put in your car, like oil, like healing oil, anointing oil. Sometimes I pray with people, ask me to pray, and I had this little um, oil in my car, and it was like, go get oil, it's time, anoint your father type feeling. I was like, this is weird. Okay, I ran out to my car, come in, anointed my dad with oil. We all gathered around, we prayed for him. We got his sisters and brothers around, the, they came back up, they were just about 10 minutes away. We all gathered around his bed, and, and my sister reminded us that he would pray the Lord's Prayer religiously every night, you know, he prayed the Lord's Prayer. So we started to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And my, my dad's breathing was really, really labored at this point. And as we started to pray the Lord's Prayer, he started to breathe normally. It was incredible. The presence of God was undeniable. God was there with us. And he breathed normally. 
And then my sister-in-law had Psalm 23 in her head. She was the one who woke us up. because for the last two hours, I've just had Psalm 23 in my head. So I started to read Psalm 23. I forgot that I even said, anoint his head with oil in Psalm 23. And it came to the last verse, verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My dad could hear everything still at this point. And as I said, forever, he breathed his last breath on the word ever as if he was saying, yes, that's me. Goodness and mercy follows me right to the end. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he breathes his last breath. And my sister, who's not a Christian, my older sister and my auntie's and uncle turned Christian, they're like, what is this? And I said, this is the presence of God. He is with us. This is God letting us know that he is here, that he is in control. And I said, Elaine, out of curiosity, what time is it? And she says, oh my goodness, Jasper, it's 12 o'clock on the dot. And they were like, what, what, what do you mean? And I explained to them, look, I had this feeling that God said 12 o'clock. I thought it was midday and it was, no, it was 12 o'clock tonight. And God is saying that he has had uh, my dad in the womb from he was born every minute of every day. He knew my dad and this last day he was saying he is here, he is with us. You see, God is real. God is alive. God moves today and there is breakthrough. Do not give up of praying for your friends and your family for breakthrough. The impact that has had on my family and friends who do not know God, I ended up speaking at my dad's funeral. I didn't want to, but it was obvious I needed to. Simply shared that story. All his drinking buddies, all his friends, they're just amazed. But mostly, my close family are amazed by the presence and the peace of God. It is real for today for you and me. And there is breakthrough. Passage I want to look at today is a passage about breakthrough. It's uh, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at it together. It should be on your screens. Um, Do not give up praying for your friends and family. Matthew 12, starting at verse 9, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand, stretch out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. But Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Breakthrough. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. Humility. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Gentleness. 
finally he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. If I could give God a nickname, if I would be so irreverent to do that, I would call him Breakthrough. And his name will be Breakthrough, the hope of all the world. This passage is about breakthrough. It shows that Jesus acts with compassion, gentleness, and humility. I love that. I can guarantee you, if you know Jesus Christ personally, if you've had an encounter with God, this is how Jesus positions himself to reveal breakthrough in our lives. He does it with compassion, he does it with gentleness, and he does it with humility. If you've encountered God, I guarantee you that's how he's met with you, with gentleness. He's met you with compassion, and he's met you with humility. It's how he moves. It's how he positions himself, because it interrupts our flow, and it's beautiful. It's how he operates. In this passage, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the righteous ones, the ones who think they've got it all figured out, he's saying to them, I have absolutely nothing to say to you. Nothing to say to you. But to those who know they're sick, to those who know they're need of me, to those who want my help, do you know what? I am fully available as a minister of breakthrough for you. I am fully here for you. You see, there is a religious nature that can be at work in all of us. The Pharisee within each of us is always lurking. It lurks whenever we are afraid of God. It lurks whenever we opt for rules rather than risk for Jesus. It lurks whenever we choose to look good rather than to be good. It lurks especially whenever we prefer appearances over reality. Here in this passage, we see the perverse tragedy of religion. The driving force of Jesus is compassion for this man. Yet the driving force of the Pharisees is that they will be correct and right. They are sticking to the letter of the law, but they do not see how twisted sticking to the letter of the law has become. It's a religiousness that no longer sees people. They do not see the man in front of them. They have a religious spirit that no longer sees the person. Unfortunately, in our little country, we have that same religious spirit. And I'm not just talking about in our churches, I'm talking about in our society. If you think about our politics, this savvy greed to be right all the time. If you think about our, our law and our court, you can get off of the technicality. As long as you can prove something, you're technically right and something else, you can get off of the bigger crime. We have this savvy greed that we are right. We're the ones who are right all the time in all spheres of our society. Our society has developed a theology of being right rather than the practice of being humble. That's the land that we live in. And it's the same in this passage. Jesus steps in amongst this theology and culture of being right to the letter of the law and he blows it out of the water. That's the culture of the time. The savvy greed to be seen to be the people who are right all the time. If you're here today and visiting, please do not think that our Christianity is about a list, a checklist that we Christians work through. Tick, I've done my quiet time. I mean, we, we check, oh, and then at the bottom, God loves us once we go through all these rituals of things. Or the set menu, A, B, C, D. I'll choose A with B today, C and D, and then, ah, oh, the Lord will love me. Please, if we portray that, forgive us, because that is not what our faith is about. My faith is more a dance than a march. 
It's a song rather than a chant. It's art rather than science. Our faith, our relationship with God is so much more than a a set menu or a a list that we have to get through and forgive us whenever we portray that because our faith is so much more. We, we, the church, us who are Christians, we need to say sorry whenever we've portrayed that. Please forgive us whenever we think we're the ones who've got it right all the time. What we need, us who follow Jesus, but also what society needs, what we all need, the breakthrough that we all need is a breakthrough from religion to relationship. Breakthrough from religion to relationship. In this passage, Jesus shows us again that relationship wins. Relationship confronts religion of the day and relationship wins. Come forward. Stretch out your withered hand, Jesus says to the man. Come forward. Stretch out your withered hand. And the Pharisees are going, how dare you? No way. Don't you know the rules? This is the Sabbath. You can't do this. How dare you, Jesus? Who do you think you are? Come forward. Stretch out your withered hand. It's an invitation to a relationship. If you can think about it, you picture the scene. If you put yourself in the place of that man as well in the scene, he knows that Jesus is not supposed to heal him on the Sabbath. Everyone knows that the society is saturated with the culture of the time. Everyone knows that Jesus is not meant to do this. And that man sees Jesus already with his hand stretched out because if you picture it, it's a relational thing. Stretching out your hand is relational. It's an opening. Jesus already got his hand stretched out. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. If I was to go to Dave and shake Dave's hand, can we shake and, no, 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 you know, do that. He, he feels bad, you know, if we put him down, shaking somebody's hand, I'm saying I'm of the right same standing as you. Welcome, it's a, it's a sign of an embrace. It's saying we're, we're together. It's saying, I like you. It's saying you're, you're part of me. It's whatever, you know, an outstretched hand is relational. Jesus has this outstretched hand. And do you know at this point, I don't even think that man with the withered hand, I don't even think He is thinking about being healed anymore. He sees the compassion. He sees the generosity in Jesus' eyes. And he just wants wants the relationship. He just wants to meet with this man because nobody's nobody's ever touched his withered hand before. Nobody's ever stretched out their hand to him in this way. I don't even think he he's thinking about being healed anymore. I think he's caught up in the relationship that this man, this, this person is stretching out his hand towards me and, and I know it's not meant to, it's a bit inappropriate. Everyone's watching. It's the Sabbath, but I, and he's caught into the relationship. He's, he's drawn into this character and person of, of this radical rabbi, Jesus, that he's maybe heard about, but here he is offering his hand to him that nobody's ever done before, and he's, he doesn't even care. He's saying yes to the Lord already, and he's stretching out his hand. I'm a big football fan, as you know, as uh, today we will pray for Liverpool. Um, uh, I'm thinking, you know, if I, if I give up my ticket, I can be here. God, you have to honor that. LAUGHTER 
but um, every year, every year there is every year there is a a, a frenzy, a, a media frenzy about somebody, a football player who's not going to shake somebody else's hand or a manager. And you know that the, the newspaper go mad if oh, are they going to shake hands? Are they? Well, they won't. They At the start of this season it was Arsene Wenger and Jose Mourinho. They did like a wee limp handshake. It wasn't really. It was more like a put off. It wasn't a proper engagement. Um, 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 you think of Luis Suarez, Patrice Evra, will they, won't they, John Terry, well John Terry and lots of people uh, didn't want to shake his hand, but, but actually if you, if you don't shake somebody's hand, it's a put down, it's saying no I'm better than you, no you're not the same level as me, I don't want to shake your hand, but think of what a shaking hand can do, think of the Queen and Martin McGuinness, and that picture of that, actually what that can mean. Stretching out your hand is personal, it's relational, and Jesus is being that to this man. Come forward. Stretch out your withered hand. We all have withered hands. All of us. Every one of us are deformed and scarred. Certainly in the aspect of trust. Stretching out a hand is a sign of trust. All of us are wounded with that, every one of us. When we're searching for breakthrough and it hasn't come, instead of stretching out our hand again, do you know what we do? Whenever breakthrough seems far off and we've tried and we've stretched out our hand to God and we've got on our knees and we're prayed, but it doesn't seem that it's happening, instead of stretching out our hand again, what we do is we tuck it away. We even put it behind our backs and say, no, I'm not stretching out my hand again, God. In fact, what we do is we harden our hearts and we turn away even from God. And rather than stretching out our hand again, we tuck it away. In the church, whenever breakthrough seems far off or not immediate, we develop a theology of lack rather than develop a practice of hunger. This man was hungry to meet with Jesus. Hungry to meet with him. Even in front of the crowd and even at a time where others thought it not appropriate. Are you hungry for the things of God? really hungry, where you'll stretch out your hand when it even seems inappropriate. The question Jesus asks you and me today is, will you continue to hide behind your self-created image of goodness and being in control of your life, or will you come forward and stretch out your withered hands, your wounded souls, owning up to your need of Jesus Christ? Religion does not break through hurt. Relationship does. Religion does not break through loss. And I've experienced this recently. Relationship with Jesus Christ does. Religion does not provide hope. Relationship does. Religion does not provide answers. Relationship does. Religion does not provide purpose. Relationship with Jesus Christ does. You have to move from religion to relationship, and that's a process, and it's a process facilitated and initiated and driven by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role, the Holy Spirit's job, is to reveal the relational love of the Father and the Son. That's what he's 
That's what he does. And whenever the Holy Spirit reveals the relational love of the Father and the relational love of the Son, breakthrough. Because we can't resist it. There is breakthrough. I love the song we we sang there. I'm rubbish at remembering lyrics, but it started with come to me every time, whatever that song was. In scripture, Jesus so often says, come to me, come and taste and see, come and walk with me, come and journey with me, come and learn from me. I love the message translation of Matthew 11, come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. For I am gentle and humble of heart. It's like an invitation. You can imagine Jesus says, come and learn from me. Come and learn the unfortunate. It's like an invitation to dance with the Savior of the world. He's got his hand stretched out to us. Come and learn from me and I will teach you my ways and I will give you rest for your soul. For I am gentle and humble of heart. Come, come to me. And he has this outstretched hand. And do you know what? For many people in this room, Jesus has had an outstretched hand to you for years and you find it difficult to stretch your hand out. Maybe there's people in this room and you're here and you've never gave your life to the Lord, but you know his hand has been stretched out towards you, but you keep tucking yours away. Many people in this room, you love Jesus, you know him, but actually his invitation to you is for more. And if we were using the analogy of the dance, maybe your steps look a bit mechanical or a little bit ritualistic now. And actually his invitation is, 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 do not be afraid. I can teach you new moves. I have more for you. Do not be embarrassed because we think we don't know the steps. We think we don't know how to move with the Lord, but he will lead. And that's what the outstretched hand is about for each one of us. He is saying, do not be afraid. Stretch out your hand. I can lead you in this, whatever you're going through. Do you trust me again? I know you've, you've prayed about this before, but will you stretch out your hand again? Don't refuse him afresh today. God is speaking to you about whatever circumstance, situation you're in, where maybe you felt that actually he has let you down, as I talked about at the start, in terms of your expectancy. Do not be afraid to stretch out your hand again afresh. Do you know if God was scanning over this room, if he was looking at this room and casting his eye over us, which is a scary thought, but if he was doing that and he cast his eye over us and he's scanning the room, looking at somebody in this room in Windsor Baptist who he is going to use and he's, he's scanning over us all, because sometimes we have this thought, that's what God's doing, I have to look proper, but he's scanning over and he's, oh, there's, hmm, Oh, they're mom and dad. They're good Christians. Ah, that's good stock. Oh, there's potential there. Oh, you, you go to Bible college. Oh, I might use you. Or, oh, you've got a, a degree in theology. Oh, I might use you. Oh, your, your parents were pastors. Oh, ah, there's good stock there. I'm, no, no. God is not looking for the stock or fertile ground. What, do you know what God is looking for? God is looking for anyone in this room anyone, anyone in this room with a responsive heart, anyone who'll respond to him, anyone. God is looking for anyone, no matter your your background, your creed, your upbringing, he is looking for anyone with a responsive heart, anyone who'll say yes to him, anyone today 
who'll respond to him and stretch out their hand for more. God is looking for a responsive heart. Doesn't matter your color, your academic level, your understanding of him, your family background, what's in your bank account. Is your heart responsive to him? The breakthrough we need is a breakthrough from religion to relationship, but the breakthrough we need in this nation is a breakthrough from resistance to responsiveness. Our little nation is resistant sometimes to the things of God, and we need to say, not us. We respond to you, Lord. Whatever we have, and it might just be a little, I give you my yes. I would love to... Well, the band are still here. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go right into our song because it's a wonderful song, Receive Our Adoration. This is what I want to say. Will you stretch out your hand this morning as I pray as an attitude of, yes, Lord, I want more. Will you stretch out your withered hands with me and say in an attitude of God, yes, actually, Lord, I know your hand's inviting me to more and I want more. So, might not be very Baptist, it doesn't matter. God is asking each of us, how are we going to respond? So I want everyone to close their eyes. I'm gonna pray for you, but just as an attitude of you want more, let's stretch up your hand and say, yes, that's you. Wonderful, you want more. Just like the man with the withered hand, do not be embarrassed. He had to do this in a place where everyone was watching in an inappropriate time. Do not think about the other people who are around you. This is, a, this is a, a, a movement of your heart and you're saying, yes, I want more, Lord. Father, thank you. Pour out your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you that you're here with us. Lord, I pray uh, for each one of us that there will be breakthrough in our lives for the people we love most, but Lord, also for ourselves as individuals, we pray, Lord, have more. Soften our hearts, Lord. May we be obedient and responsive to what you're leading us into. God, give us confidence and assurance that you're with us. And Lord, we receive your invitation. Lord, may our honor of you, our worship of you, our adoration of you, may you receive that too now. No matter what place we're in, Lord, we give you our adoration and say thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.